So, when I was recording late night recently to talk about Steve Jackson and Ian Livingston, I missed a couple of stories. One was associated with them quizzing me, associated with what kind of game player I was, or more importantly, what my history of gaming was. And this is an interesting point because I think it fits perfectly into Fighting Fantasy Fest, so I'll start with this. And I described my early playing of Fighting Fantasy books, which was really from about age four to probably about age eight. Not really later than that. I remember when I was ten, a kid at school became obsessed with Fighting Fantasy books, and I remember looking back, I think I had read through Appointment with Fear, I think that was the last one that I'd read through, and I remember just talking to him about what it was about, the whole process, and feeling that this was really something that was kind of passe for me at age 10. So Fighting Fantasy led very quickly into the Dungeons and Dragons probably basic set, and then Advanced Dungeons and Dragons and Dragon Warriors, which was written by a gentleman called Dave Morris, who was connected with Games Workshop, although I didn't get into much detail talking with Steve Jackson and Ian Livingston. I then talked about Warhammer, Warhammer 40,000, White Dwarf. We talked about White Dwarf associated with it being quite expensive in Australia and really only getting it through my friend at the time. His family would send him copies of White Dwarf. So that led into some discussion associated with my D&D game at work and also running my own game. And we talked about 3D printing. Now I have a bunch of 3D printed zombies which, you know, are waiting to be cut off their spruce <laughs> and assembled. But we talked about how when a miniature range was missing, you could now 3D print miniatures. So that, I think, concludes probably my public feedback associated with the lunch with Steve Jackson and Nia Livingston. Fighting Fantasy Fest was two days afterwards, and it was held at a university, a exclusively indoor university. It was kind of, I mean, it's just basically an indoor campus. And I arrived about, I don't know, 10 minutes late or or 10 minutes after the opening time. And when I got there, it was already full of people. It would have been probably 60 to 100 people, including Ian Livingston, very proudly signing stuff with a long queue behind him, just shaking hands, saying hello, what have you. I didn't have a chance to chat with him then. When Steve Jackson arrived, I was actually at that apex when Steve Jackson arrived with his son. Ian Livingston was there and I was able to walk up and shake their hands and thank them for the ticket to Fighting Fantasy Fest. My hope with Fighting Fantasy Fest going into it was that I could discover a magazine that I had written a letter to and gotten a pen pal from in the mid-1980s, and they had no recollection of this magazine existing. No one seemed to, and my hope was that at Fighting Fantasy Fest there would be second-hand sellers that may have copies of this magazine. That didn't turn out to be the case. Fighting Fantasy Fest was all new stuff. It was a small second-hand contingent where people just brought in their stuff to sell, but really it was all new gaming stuff around Fighting Fantasy. And as I've noted, Fighting Fantasy was something that I really wasn't even into when I reached age 10. It was interesting getting back into it in terms of just seeing the folks there, but clearly there is a very... I don't know what one would call it. There's a community around Fighting Fantasy. And I think in London in particular kind of were at the epicenter for all that stuff. The original Games Workshop was in London. You know, the Fighting Fantasy books came out at that time. They did a surveying of how far people had come. There were a couple of people from Japan. I was the only person from North America there. But you got a sense that these were predominantly men in their mid-40s to mid-50s, basically. 
and a few of them had purchased artwork from the books. There was a big artwork discussion that I was in. I walked into maybe two sessions, and then I walked into one Ian Livingston session, and then the Ian Livingston, Steve Jackson, Warlock of Firetop Mountain session. And in general, it just reminded me, I guess, of this thing when I was really very young. And a lot of the artwork seemed familiar. I mean, I didn't have all the books. I had a small subset of the books with friends in particular. You know, we'd each buy a book and then lend each other the books. I mean, it was all very organic in that way. So, you know, my experience of the books had come through friends having the books more than me having the books. I don't even know which of the titles I personally owned. All that stuff was destroyed, well, probably many times over. When I moved from Australia... Everything I brought to the US was rained on in book form. I lost a lot of books through that. But I think most of my childhood books were lost, basically. When I left Australia, my mother, who was a diplomat at the time, was going to take a lot of my books. She took a lot of my books and records, and through her subsequent moves and what have you, all of it was lost, except for a small subset of the records. So I lost a good portion of my childhood through these things. So I don't actually remember which books I originally owned. I mean, Appointment with Fear, you know, and Freeway Fighter, these are both books that have particular resonances with me. I don't think I ever owned a copy of Warlock of Firetop Mountain. I did get a copy so they could both sign it. I found a copy. In fact, I bought, I'm surrounded by <laughs> fighting fantasy books because I ordered a bunch online trying to find some that were of reasonable quality. None of them really were of reasonable quality. So, I don't know. I'm going to be donating to the local charity a wide variety of fighting fantasy books a number of them are ex-library copies with large library stickers all over them and things like that the kind of stuff you don't find out when you order books online sometimes so that whole thing was interesting it was a vignette into what importance for a small portion of the population actually means one of the most fascinating discussions was associated with what happened with kids today with the fighting fantasy books, you had to write down numbers, you had to keep track of dice rolls, you had to draw maps, you had to maintain inventory, you had to do a variety of things, which obviously computer games eliminated, and they talked about what they would need to do with the rule system now if they were to relaunch it, in particular greatly simplifying the rules, but also that the actual aspects of the rules, in terms of just like drawing maps and stuff, were a lost art. I do wonder about that. I mean, I think what they're talking about is the greatest number of children, and only a small number would do that. They also talked very positively about what Fighting Fantasy Range did for literacy. In They were talking about 8 to eight to 14-year-olds. I was an early reader, or at least my peers were early readers of these books. So the notion that 25% of 8 to 14-year-olds' literacy improved through contact with Fighting Fantasy books, that it did a remarkable service for particularly boy children reading, which I thought was absolutely fascinating. But you do get the sense that they are strong counterculture heroes, that there are countercultures who are now represented by, I'm at the very bottom end of this demographic. Most of the folks there were at least five years older than me. I felt quite young, which is an interesting experience when you are at the stage of life that I am. But yeah, it was all very interesting. It was interesting to be there, and it was a completely different experience to actually meeting them. Because in meeting them, I had a very intimate sense that I was, you know, driving the conversation. I pointed out to them, which my Indian co-workers have pointed out, that London has some of the best Indian food in the world. 
Livingston in particular was really taken aback by that. <laughs> it's just wrong. You know, India has far better food. And I was just like, well, according to my Indian co-workers, I actually have lived in India. They, you know, rate London Indian food. So that is what we can take away from this. So, yeah, I haven't had any more correspondence. I haven't. I sent a LinkedIn request to Steve Jackson. I have no response. Ian Livingston kind of fell by the wayside and correspondence. Well, I mean, I'm waiting for the book to come out. I wasn't intending to get any meaningful correspondence for them both. But yeah, it was just a, a thing that happened. And a sense of just being in their presence for a short period of time, at least, and putting some of the puzzle pieces together. I have gone through somewhat of a renaissance of going back and listening to and looking up on YouTube and finding all this stuff associated with their collective work. But really, you can't live your life in the 1980s. And that's not my intent with regards to this. So it was a golden age for certain things and certain things it was not. And now we find ourselves here and it is a completely different world. So that is my thought associated with Fighting Fantasy Fest.